0: Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed, with the holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus in love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, (laughs) far above all principality and powers and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him which filleth all and all. And you, at the quick and who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us, through Christ Jesus for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them wherefore brethren remember in times past in the gentiles who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the uncircumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, who were sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of two, one new man so making peace in that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them which are nigh for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together as a habitation of God through the Spirit. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God given unto me, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, which I wrote before in few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets through the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and of the same body, and the partakers of promises in Christ, whereof I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than least of all saints was this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now into the principalities and powers in the heavenly places "...might be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to his eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access and confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not in my tribulations for you, which is your glory." For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he might grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us has been given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and that we henceforth be no more children who are tossed to and fro with every kind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head. Even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined and compacted together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord. That you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Wherefore, put off the form of conversation which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put... On the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying; speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, that he may give to him that needeth it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption, that all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be you therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, but fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as become of saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no homosexual or unclean person a covetous man hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be you not therefore partakers with them? For you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with those unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart unto the Lord, and giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourself unto your husband. It's unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let their wives be to their husbands in all things. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word, that he may present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy holy. And without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as themselves. (laughs) He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and the wife. See that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants. Be obedient unto them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not as men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters do the same thing unto them, forbearing threatenings, knowing that your master also is in heaven and neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all. Take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for the which I'm am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you may know our affairs and how I do. A kiss, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known unto you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that you may know our affairs and that he might comfort your heart. Grace to the brethren and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ bless those who love him in sincerity. Amen. Amen. No, I don't want that. I just want an amen. That's fine. <laughs> but thank you. Well, I hope those young people didn't walk out because Paul said that no homosexual or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. But you never know. The Word of God can do that, it can be very offensive to people, can it? We live in a dangerous time. We are living at the most dangerous time in the history of our nation since George Washington crossed the Potomac River. We literally are. This is the most dangerous point in the history of our country since George Washington crossed the Potomac River on multiple levels, multiple fronts. We are in a tremendous battle, in a war. With the remainder of our time, let's work through war. Chapter 6, verses 10 through 18 verse number 10 here, he says, finally, my brethren, or in other words, after the greatness of the purpose of Jesus Christ, after Gentiles becoming part of God's program, after the revelation of this thing that's coming called the church, after these civic duties and these kind of daily life kind of things that we do, after that, in verse 10, he says, Finally. Finally, my brethren, who, what, when, where, why, what's going on? Who are these brethren? Well, originally the letter was written to the church at Ephesus by application to us today. When you think of Ephesus or the book of Ephesians, when you're reading the Bible, you want to think of it as like a San Francisco. My family lived the last 10 years in California, close enough to San Francisco where you could smell it. <laughs> and it's not good. This, just think of a ultra, ultra liberal, ungodly, unholy, everything that is wrong with this world center, like a San Francisco, that's exactly what Ephesus was. Sometimes we think because we live 2,000 years later on the other side of the world, you speak a different language, you have a different culture, you have different mannerisms and et cetera, that we don't have anything in common with these people 2,000 plus years ago. Well, the matter of the fact is, is we have much, much more in common than we do not have in common with them. This group of people right here in Ephesus, guys, they live not only in a city like San Francisco, whereas you live close to Charlottesville, but at Ephesus, it was the home of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis or Diana. In other words, the church is in the shadows of this monstrosity of this ultra, we'll keep it G-rated, ultra vile religion of Artemis or Diana worship in the epicenter of it was in Ephesus. So the church is in the shadows here, and it is a fight. It is a real fight for the parents and the grandparents and the kids and the grandkids to make it. Because they're just getting devoured everywhere they go. So, prepare for war. What does he say? My brethren, be strong. Be strong in what? He says those three words, in the Lord. Forty times, give or take. In Ephesians, he says those three words, in the Lord. So being locked in, like Lego blocks, locked together, one after another, that is your standing, that is your position in Christ. That's the only way you or your kids or your grandkids are going to make it through this world. My brother did not make it. My brother grew up going to church, just like you. My brother at 37 is dead. A deadly cocktail of pills, booze, girls, smut, legionnaires, pneumonia, all at the same time (laughs) killed him. This can happen to you or your kids or your grandkids. Maybe not to that oomph degree, but you can be offended by God's word and not like hearing that homosexuals do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God, which you just read. And you can, you can just flat out reject the authority of God's word. Rejecting the authority of God's word, whether it's a little or a lot, is still rejecting God. It's dangerous. So you have to be in him, locked into him. What else? And in the power of his might. What's that all about? Power of his might. Back in chapter 1, he gives us a brief little hint at the power that we have as believers. He says in verse 17 or 18, the eyes of your... I'll get there. The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And here you go. Here's the line. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us who believe. Go on. What is that power that's in me? According to the working of His mighty power, which He, God, wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. The same power that raised Christ from the dead seven days from now that we celebrate, that's the same power through the Holy Spirit that's in you. I compare it to having a beautiful power tool, the most expensive power tool in the world. But if you don't go over here and plug it in, what good is it? What does it do? It's like a brick. It does nothing. And that's how it is with us. Unless you're locked in, unless you're plugged in, unless you're in the Lord, you're not very productive. Since it's a street fight out there, How am I supposed to prepare? How am I supposed to think? How am I supposed to practice with my kids and my grandkids and myself? Put on the whole armor of God? Why? That you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil? Who are we fighting against out here? What's going on behind the scenes with policies? Like in California. In California where we live, you can be 8 months, 3 weeks, 6 days pregnant like her, walk into an abortion clinic and have the baby destroyed. No questions asked. Legal as the day is long. That's the country we live in. There's a war out there. A war for truth, a war for life, a war for light. What's going on behind the scenes, though? Next verse. We wrestle not, we fight not against flesh and blood. In other words, it's the man behind the curtain, as it were, pulling the strings of these people who are instituting these policies that destroy the fabric of the family and the nation and murder children. It's not flesh and blood that is doing this ultimately. It's principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. Those are technical terms. Technical Jewish terms. For the hierarchy of the angelic world, it's the prince of the power of the air. It's the devil. He's the prince of the power of the air. This is his world in many ways. I know the earth is the world and the fullness thereof. I know that. But Jesus is, on the one hand, he's not here. I know I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's standing, sitting, At the right hand of the Father. He's not here. That's why he has to come back a second time. So on the one hand, this is not his world on the one hand. And this is the world that you and your kids and your grandkids live in. There's no getting around it. So you better be prepared. How do you be prepared for fighting against this unseen world? Thanks for asking. Next verse. What is it? Number 13? Wherefore, or in other words, as you realize this grim power you're up against, what are you supposed to do? Take unto you. Those three words in English, take unto you, in the original language, are not a suggestion. This is an absolute command from God. It's do or die. Take unto you what? The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all too? stand. Let's pause real quick. What's all the stand business? He's... Let me paint a picture. Would you mind coming up and helping me? Yes, you. Yes. All right. So here's what the word's getting at. Up here, please, so we can see. So it doesn't matter if you're seven or 107. You have the same Holy Spirit in you. And that Holy Spirit in you gives you the ability, gives you the power to overcome darkness. So you stand. What does that mean? Something like this. I'll be the bad guy and of course she's the good guy. Okay. (laughs) The idea here, it's a wrestling term to stand. So we're engaged in this. You can put your hands on me. Go ahead. It's like this wrestling match of good versus evil that's going on in your heart and soul. But because you have the Holy Spirit in you, because you have the Word of God in you, you can defeat any monstrosity. I'll be the monstrosity. You could defeat any monster. And that word stand means to throw down. I'm going to lay down. Okay. Throw down. And then the idea is for you to put your foot very gently on my chest. Okay? And stand over and taunt. Thank you. That's good. You can go now. Thank you, dear. To put your foot on... To stand over and taunt in victory that's what you're that's how you're supposed to think and that's how you're supposed to practice no this is wrong and the reason it's wrong is god's word says it's wrong and boom there in love of course <laughs> we don't think that way we should but we don't so wherefore as you realize the grim power you're up against take unto command the whole armor of god that you'll be able to withstand In that evil day, and having done all, there's the word again, stand. Stand, therefore. Now, here's what you're supposed to wear. Having your loins girt about with truth. Pause. The average, as some of you might know, outfit of someone in the first century, the socks and underwear and T-shirts, as it were, was a tunic. And it went, it kind of looked like, I don't know, like a manly-looking moo-moo or something, you know? You just put your head in, put your arms in and then it goes down to your ankles or your knees this is what everyone wore all day every day well you cannot fight run jump slide do all those kind of things with a dress on <laughs> so what they would do is they would pull it up and then they would take the belt and wrap it together so it looked like maybe like a big sumo wrestler belt you with me now you can run jump kick steal do, fight do all those kind of things because you have that mobility But everything that ties it together is that belt or that girdle. And that's what he equates to, as you see it right there, is the Word of God. The Word of God. The authority of the Word of God. Even if your culture doesn't like it. (laughs) The authority of the Word of God is what holds everything together. And if you start taking certain strands or threads out of that belt that you don't like, like Thomas Jefferson did (laughs) certain passages. We were at his house yesterday for the first time ever. But he would take out sections from the Bible. That he he didn't like. Can't do that. <laughs> it's all or nothing. The belt of truth. What's next? The breastplate of righteousness. A Roman soldier's breastplate would go on over the head. And remember in the movies where they would tie the girl's dress in the back real tight like that, they would tie the sides of the Roman soldier's breastplate. So now, from your torso to here, you're protected. It's a breastplate. Someone shoots a, a fiery arrow at you, or something like that, slings a stone. Ideally, it'll just bounce right off. That's what the righteousness of God in us does. We're able to stand up and fight and be victorious. But the problem is, is that we can have pockets, holes. Pockets of unrighteousness in our breastplate and that is exactly where (laughs) the arrows are shot. I have family members whose weaknesses, who weak points was drink. Members of the opposite sex before marriage and one thing leads to another and now you have all these arrows flying at you and soon, guess what? They're worming their way in there and they're hitting you. Boom, you got a DUI. Boom, you get two DUIs. Boom, you're away at school and you're pregnant at a Christian school and you're not married. It's because you have pockets of unrighteousness that have to be addressed and fixed immediately because it will kill you. It can destroy you. Righteousness. Go on. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The, the idea for the shoes here is kind of like soccer cleats or baseball spikes. Roman soldiers would have a certain attachment or a certain shoe they would put on when they would be in the battlefield. So they just wouldn't slip on the grass when it was wet. Or they would get real traction. Right? And they could dig in into that proverbial batter's box and fight. So that's the same kind of picture here. Like, we are locked in, you are grounded in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the living God. And that's what gives you and your kids and your grandkids, who believe, the ability to fight back victoriously. You're not slipping and sliding by every wind of doctrine, etc. Okay? Then, what's next? After your feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, we're almost done. A couple more items. Taking the shield of faith. This word for faith is... In Greek, skutum, it's a six-foot-high shield, not one of the small kind of Captain American-sized ones that a lot of the light, kind of light-footed soldiers would use, infantry guys, where they would just sort on their back and just go, this is a big six-foot-big skutum. Faith. We have to ask ourselves, what are you trusting God to do that only God can do? I used to ask myself that all the, all the time. I would ask myself, and I have kind of forgot lately. And it's not good. What are you trusting God to do by faith? That only God can do. You do not receive because you do not ask. And then you'll ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And when we do that, James calls us adulterers and adulteresses. What are you asking Jesus to do that only God can do? That's the faith. Then you take the helmet of salvation, the most precious member of your body, your head. The armor that went on that was equal to the preciousness of the doctrine of salvation. You could lose a hand, you can lose a foot in battle or whatever. You can't lose the head. So it's equated to salvation. And we forget sometimes the preciousness of salvation. We just hear it so much. We get so accustomed to it that we forget about it. But that's why going to a funeral is better than going to a birthday party. Because it puts things into perspective. This week puts things into perspective. And knowing that the preciousness, it all comes from what happened this Friday and this Saturday and this Sunday. Now everything he's mentioned thus far that we wear as soldiers of God, we forget we're soldiers too. Thou therefore, Paul says in a different place, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I thought it was going to be easy being a Christian. I thought all I had to do was just sign something and then I'm done and then it's simple. (laughs) Endure hardness because you live in a broken, corrupt society that hates God and blasphemes His Son's name all day, every day. Sad, but it's true. Everything we've been wearing so far is defensive in our fight as soldiers except the last one, the last piece in verse 17 there. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You and your grandkids and your kids have one offensive weapon. What is it? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now what's interesting is that word for word in the original language in the Greek, that word for word is rima, which means a thing spoken, a thing uttered. Let me paint a picture. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, what does he do? He doesn't pull out his phone and try and find the verse. (laughs) He doesn't run to some synagogue and pull off a scroll and try and find the verse. He opens his mouth and he speaks from memory what he hid in his heart as a young person. In Matthew chapter 4, and when you speak the word of the living God, you are speaking The oracles of God. You're speaking of the most powerful instrument, tool, mechanism, however you want to describe it, under the sun and above the sun for that matter. It's the Word of God. And that's what Jesus uses to fight. That's what you have as well to fight. And sometimes you can't walk around with this, sometimes you can't find the verse you need. Sometimes you're without this, but to have it hidden in your heart, right there on your lips, and to be able to implement that word of God whenever it's needed, is promise. it's guaranteed by God's word to give you victory. Hiding God's word in your heart it does a few things for us. We live in a world where nobody memorizes God's word. We live in a copy-paste, Facebook-tweet-file-forget kind of world where we don't have to memorize anything. And we love it. It's great. We don't even have to memorize phone numbers anymore, for crying out loud. But it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. What benefits come besides the word of God being a weapon to fight with when it's hidden in your heart? It informs you and your kids and your grandkids who you are. You guys are doing great. We'll be done in five minutes. It informs you who you are in the light of God's word. You did not go from to the zoo to you by a series of time and chance and over billions of years. You're made in the image of the likeness of the living God. You as a believer have boldness and access and confidence like you just walk right in to do what? Approach Him in prayer. Do you see how that changes your thinking if you think that way? Having the word of God hidden in your heart versus on your phone or on yourself, it provides you with words of comfort in times of need. Not only words of comfort for yourself when you wake up in the middle of the night or something like that and you need to hear from God, you can go to your heart, take that verse, bring it up, and live in the light of it. But it provides words of comfort for others. People are broken people are scared, you don't know what to say, you get tongue-tied, go to those verses that you've hidden in your heart and let the Word of God do the work. Having the Word of God hidden in your heart, like I said before, is your weapon of choice. You can do it. You can memorize one verse a week. If if I give you a hundred dollars for every single, we'll say, Pastor Jimmy, If Pastor Jimmy gave you $100 for every verse you memorize from now until the end of the year, how broke would he be? Like, you would say, you know what? I think I should hide God's Word in my heart because I get this filthy lucre coming my way. But how much more precious and valuable is the Word of God? We're interested in what we want to be interested in and we're not interested in what we don't want to be interested in. My job is to present the oracles of the living God to you to challenge you, to get you to see the benefits that come from hiding it in your heart, and then for you to take up the challenge and do one verse a week and slowly but surely you'll see all of the benefits and all the blessings and all the dividends that come from this ancient but all-important practice. God's Word is a sword. We're in a war. We have to be prepared. Amen? On the way out, there's a table when you go out the door. And this is a really great resource. It's brand new. It's well done. It's about 45 minutes or so. And it gets a little bit into the weeds, a little technical on how, what did I learn while I lived in Jerusalem all those years, four or five years I was in Jerusalem? How do you memorize? How do you and your kids and your grandkids memorize? And these are available on the way out. Like Pastor mentioned as well, we're missionaries. We come here by faith. We drive here 700 miles, round trip, without charging a penny. Just come by faith. And so if you've been blessed by what we do and you can help us, that would be a tremendous blessing. When 16 days from now, 16 days from now, I need one of those gold coins that, that Jesus needed in the fish to pay taxes. That's where today's offering is going. Our ministry needs X amount of dollars. I need one of those gold coins and one of those fishes in 16 days to pay unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Thank you so much for coming. Are you glad you came to church today? Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Yeah, give Tom a hand.